Hey, everybody, this is Danny the Count Coker of Count 77, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody, this is Kenny Lane Shepard, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Eric Johnson, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 350 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 350, we are very pleased to be joined by none other than Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Kenny Wayne Shepherd, as many of you remember, kind of burst onto the scene in the early 90s. Uh, just a young kid with a Stratocaster that kind of blew a lot of people away. Uh, so we had a chance to talk to him about his brand new album, which has just been uh, released. It's called Lay It Down. We're going to play you a track called Baby Got Gone. And Kenny Wayne Shepherd and his band will be in Munhall, which is just outside of Pittsburgh, doing a show on the 24th of September at the Carnegie Library. So we want to get you all ready for that show. So without further ado, here's Baby Got Gone from Kenny Wayne Shepherd. <laughs> Pleasure to welcome to the show. We have blues guitarist extraordinaire Kenny Wayne Shepherd. How you doing, Kenny? I'm good. How are you? Doing very, very well. You're going to be coming into the fine city of Pittsburgh in September to do a show at the uh, Carnegie Music Hall of Homestead uh, here on the 24th. Uh, and you've got a fantastic new album that's just a couple weeks old. Lay it down. Uh, that's out and making some noise on the charts. So I wanted to get a chance to talk to you about the album. Um, when I listen to it, I hear a lot of different sounds. I hear uh, you know, the blues we've come to expect from you. Uh, Here's some kind of roots music, some, uh, dare I say, country music uh, almost in it. Can you talk a little bit about wh- where your head was when you made the album and what kind of influences? Well, yeah, I mean, the last record was a contemporary, well, actually, it was a traditional blues cover album where we pay tribute to some of my heroes musical influences um this one i wanted it to be you know a contemporary album with all new material um so you know i think we accomplished that we took blues as the foundation and there's a couple really kind of bluesy songs on there uh but we mixed it with you know awesome uh old school muscle shoals type r&b Memphis, you know throwback r&b with like diamonds and gold the horn section and stuff and then even like a little country maybe here and there with uh Lay it on down and hard lesson learned. 
<laughs> those are all, you know, that's all stuff that I grew up listening to when I was a kid, along mm-hmm. with blues music, you know. Um, so it wasn't like intentional. Like we really just went into the song. I had written songs, and we the the songs developed a, and took on a life of their own. And we just followed the music where it led us. And so you know, in result, it's, it's it is what it is. I mean, it's the record that I that I wanted to make. And but we didn't. Have, there were no like preconceived intentions on oh we need to have a right. song that sounds a little country or anything it's like you know I remember we did Hard Lesson Learned and uh, we, we originally uh, cut that song and then after the fact I was like you know what the more I listen to this song the more I think it needs to have a pedal steel guitar on it and that's a very country uh, associated instrument but the more I listened to the song the more I felt like that part needed to be on that song it wasn't that we walked in there going okay we're going to write a song that sounds like a country song you know sure. it's like we just recorded the song and then the more I listened to it as the song developed the more I heard the different parts and then it just happened to end up sounding the way that it does and that's because that's what I thought sounded appropriate for that song yeah I, th- I think you know over the years you and I um, grew up in an era where country sounded very different than rock uh, and, and anymore, I think if you turn on a country station and a rock, you know, classic rock station, the, the lines have become somewhat blurred uh, at best. Um, so yeah, they've know. definitely become blurred today. Yeah, and that's—I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, one of the things about the album that, that really caught my attention was was you using analog tape still. Um, how hard is it to get that equipment and to find the you know the studios that still use that? Well. <clears throat> I knew this studio had it um, because I had done my previous record there. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, you just gotta kind of look around. If you have, uh, I mean, it also depends on your budget. You know, if you have the budget, then then you can do it. I mean, right. look until you find the place that has it. I mean, if you're kind of if you are uh, limited in your, you know resources, uh, whether it's financial or like if you live in a town where there's just not a lot of options for recording studios, then obviously that's less of an option for you mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, uh, to utilize. But if you're recording in Los Angeles, this was in Shreveport, but like I said, I knew when they built the studio, they had a tape machine and everything there. Um, but like in LA, you know, we did the rides albums there and it's like a lot of guys have, a lot of the big studios have tape machines and and even other people, like, if you really have to and they don't have one, so they can find one, they can rent one. Okay. You know, some people rent them out and stuff. So, uh, But it just depends on, like, a lot of people don't want to go through the expense. The tape yeah. is not cheap. Uh, a lot of studios don't want to have to maintain tape machines and things right. like that. So and a lot of people just don't care enough about it. Like, they don't think it makes you know, I think that's just a difference to justify the expense or it's too much of a pain in the butt. But to me, uh, it certainly sonically is is important to me. It makes a, a noticeable difference that I can hear. And I feel like if we sat down together and AB something with and without tape, you would certainly be able to hear it. Or the normal, I mean, maybe you have great ears, but like a normal individual would definitely hear the difference. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think you know the the return to vinyl, the popularity of vinyl, um, certainly makes it you know very interesting to me to see that because you know so much of what you see you know in, in what we do you know when we're putting music down and taking it to you know into a software where you can see it is you know so overly compressed in many cases that uh, 
you know, I think bands just try to shove as much in your ears sometimes to come out of your earbuds, and, and that's what they're building their music for. So it's refreshing to see people, you know, you know, still kind of sticking with the classics uh, with analog. Um, right. Well, by the way, since you brought up vinyl, we've done vinyl for every project we've done since like 2007. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are just jumping on the vinyl bandwagon because it's like the trendy thing to do. But you are never supposed to cut vinyl from a digital file. Right. You're supposed to, if you're going to cut a vinyl album, you're supposed to do it from an analog recording, and it should be from tape. And there's these people that are like doing everything digitally, Pro Tools, you know, whatever, and then they send the digital file over that's coming out of a computer, and they're cutting vinyl based on that. And that is absolutely not supposed to be done that way yeah i mean if, if you understand the science of digital it doesn't make sense to then convert it back to analog it really you know you have to be missing something um so it certainly makes sense um one of the things uh, that I, i've always enjoyed uh you you've worked with noah for a long time um and i noticed you you know as a, as a younger musician you were a big fan of uh, steve ray vaughn what is what was the experience of being able to to work with chris in particular uh, what did that mean to you Chris Layton, I mean, Chris has been uh, with me since my very first record. I mean, he's been on every album except for the 2004 album, The Place You're In. Mm-hmm. And he's been in my live band now for probably, I don't know, 10 to 12 years. Right. Um, maybe longer. But so, in the beginning, it was like unbelievable because, like, this guy was like playing in uh, one of my biggest heroes bands, you know, and, right. and I played along with those SRB records so much when I was a kid. It was like they were my band when I before I had a band, you know. Right. So when I first started playing with Chris, it was just so natural because I'd been playing uh, virtually playing with him through their records for years. <clears throat> but uh, over the years, it's like Chris and I have become very, very close, and. Uh, you know, it's just like he, he's one of my dearest friends. And he, but for the music that I do, I think he's probably the best suited drummer for, for what I do, period. Right. And, you know, I trust. It's like if I could play drums, I would play drums like Chris Lee. You know what I mean? Or I would want to. Um, so, in saying that, what I mean is, is that when I go into the studio and I'm creating something, he intuitively plays what I'm already hearing in my head. Mm-hmm. He just naturally, it comes out of him. I, I, I hardly ever have to give him direction, you know, because he just intuitively knows <clears throat> what I'm going for. Now, um, I remember, you know, I was actually kind of looking back at, you know, some of your trips through Pittsburgh, and I recall seeing you at um, with a G3 show, which seems like a million years ago. Um you know, as, as kind of a young kid up there with two, you know, shredders. Um, were you prepared at that point, at that age, do you think, for the success that you had right out of the gate with, you know, your first two studio albums? Did that, do you, do you feel like you were ready for that, or did that just come at you like a brick wall? I don't really think I ever <clears throat> fully was trying to grasp the magnitude of it all, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally was just in the, of the mindset of like dude I'm a kid and I'm like playing music and people are showing up you know what I mean <laughs> yeah I was never saying that counting album sales or counting dollars or any of that stuff like I was just like every night I was literally absolutely thrilled 
that I was uh, getting to play guitar and people were showing up to hear me do it. And it really didn't go, like the realization didn't go much further than that, except for like when you'd go into the markets, like, and because we would always go to radio stations uh, that supported the record and you would hear the music on the radio all over the country, which that was like a huge thrill. But I, I was never going, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm this or I'm that, or, you know, it just never really, I always just looked at myself like I'm a kid and I'm tend to do this. And it was like beyond my wildest expectation. Sure. Sure. Now, um, you, you mentioned your, your affinity for Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I know since then you've done some really fantastic projects, uh, delving into some more historic blues. You know, the 10 Days Out, I, I remember myself just being blown away with that project. Um, was that something you kind of worked backward to, or were you exposed to some of that, you know, more traditional blues growing up? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I researched the history of blues and the people, the players. And I mean, I grew up in Louisiana, so, you know, I, I, I listened to a lot of Mississippi Delta blues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lead Belly and Robert Johnson and Blind Lemon Jefferson and all these guys, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, once I became a, a real blues fan and, and a guitar player that was interested in blues music, you know, I, I went backwards, like I think a lot of people do and a lot of people should do. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, Stevie inspired me. Billy Gibbons inspired me, Hendrix, uh, both guys. But then you go back and you go, well, who inspired them? And then you learn about those people. And you go, well, who inspired those guys? And you just keep connecting the dots further and further backwards. And I just kept going further and further until I got to the origins of blues music. And, yeah. you know, I was listening to all of it along the way and reading about it and the people. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating. That's one of the things I love about the blues is it seems like the fans, you know, I know from myself it was Stevie Ray Vaughan and then it was Albert King and and then backward from there. Uh, that's the one kind of music I think that fans are really accepting. You know, people almost seem to to really love the fact when you guys do albums of, of you know the great masters stuff. You know the co- you know cover albums for lack of a better term but you know in rock music people are almost kind of tired of that but in blues you know I remember um, when Eric Clapton did From the Cradle uh, for example you know it was just like god this is fantastic I wish every album sounded like this um, so it's it's always great that the blues you know allows artists to do that to pay homage to the greats um, as far as your live show um, are you able to blend in a decent amount of the new record into the set or, or you know, fans still kind of want to hear the you know the the hits, for lack of a better term? Yeah, well, we certainly are playing enough familiar material for them and kind of like, you know, showstopper-type songs, you know, that mm-hmm. are real highlights, you know, guitar highlights and stuff. But with, like, the last couple of shows, we've done 70% of the new album in the show. So, like, 7 out of 10 songs are in the live set right now, and they're all going over very well. And there's a lot of people every night that already have the new record, and so you can see them. They're singing along. And then there's some other people that, you know, don't have it yet. They're hearing it for the first time, and then you see them singing along halfway through the song, you know, which is great. Yeah, that, that's, that's wonderful. So for, for those of you going to the show, you know, people like to be familiar with the songs. You can certainly go out and check out the new album. It is available now. Uh, a, a real a real feather in your cap. Lay it down. Uh, I think it... it uh, 
it was refreshing to hear that album. You know, there's you know, a lot of garbage that comes across in new music anymore, but yours is certainly a bright spot, uh, Kenny. So you're certainly something to be proud of. We look forward to catching you when you're in Pittsburgh on the 24th doing the show at the Carnegie. Uh, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to us, man. Hey, my pleasure, man. All right, good seats still available for Kenny Wayne Shepherd at the Carnegie Library Music Hall of Munhall, PA, on September 24th. You can visit KennyWayneShepherd.net, and that's spelled S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D, for those of you like myself who cannot spell and want to put an A in Kenny Wayne's last name. It's KennyWayneShepherd.net. Check out all the tour dates. He's going to be doing shows all over the place for that new album, Lay It Down. So get a chance to get to see a real great uh, blues master and a really great songwriter uh, while he's out on the road. So I want to thank him for coming on the show. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. Go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube are all forward slash ironcityrocks. Also, you can email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com or use the contact link on our homepage. We'd love to hear from you guys. So until next time, we want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. (laughs) 